everybody. Welcome to another episode of Wild Wild Will, where we go through all the Will Smith movies and talk about his career. Mostly talk about the movie. Maybe sneak in a little M. Night trivia in there. Mark, Lily, and Eric here. And today we're talking about the 2015 movie Focus. Focus. Right, guys? I'm having a hard time being focused. <laughs> This bad boy cost fifty million, and it made hundred and fifty-eight million back. I, I hardly remember this thing when it came out. Do you guys so my theory anything? is, post After Earth, Will Smith goes into a weird territory of films that have been lost to time, where it's like you can name twelve of them, where it's just like Collateral Beauty, The Sunset Window, The Focus, The Guy with the Mannequin Hat, and it's just like, what are these movies? Where did they come from? So this is the era we're in, the Will Smith era of forgotten to the last five years. You know what it is? I think we're in a really weird Will Smith and cultural era because I feel like all the stuff I remember about Focus is all the rumor mills. I don't, I like, I looked at Mark and I was like, I don't even know, like, an inch of this plot. Like, I had just zero frame of reference for what this movie could even be about. Like, you know, there's some movies where they're like, I never watched After Earth, but I had, like, an idea. I remember seeing shit. I remember nothing about this except for the insane amount of rumors that surrounded so, it. So I, I feel like I just got the tip of the drama. So yeah. you probably know all the drama about it. Can I can I tell you like just me being on the periphery of pop culture and understanding this what I think happened and then you tell me if I'm right or wrong like the information I got about the drama behind this movie Yeah hit us please All right so from what I understand cuz Margot Robbie's in this right Will Smith and Margot Robbie um this is what I understand Will Smith in real life porked her he porked Margot Robbie, but then there was also a thing where like Jada was happy. You know, we're like, this it, is your, it, this is your theory, right? From what I, not a theory, but from theory. what I remember, from what I re remember this hearing, rumor stuff so I could be getting this right? info wrong. Okay. I could be getting this wrong. And it's just like, you know, it was years ago. Me just. Yeah, no, just, I want to make sure you're prefacing it. That's I, a theory. That this is exactly how I how and I we're saying it. it's a rumor, Eric. A I rumor. am on the Gentleman's Club lawyers. podcast putting straight out lies into the world. Anyone. He didn't sue There's his own so goddamn wife, so it's not going to sue us. Anyways, theory so. allegedly disclaimer. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Are you Eric, like working I, with Will? I, what I, is I'm this? I'm going to shoot you. I'm gonna threaten to kill me at the last podcast. Let that be a lesson. Damn. Um. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I heard he porked her, but then I also heard like, was it? It was in some way Jada was. Remember, like mid Somar, midsummer, where like the 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 people are like helping that Chris Pratt looking dude hump that lady, like. Mm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, was Jada almost doing that to Will? Was she like helping him have sex with Margot so, Robbie in some way? Let's get into the surround because I think it is. It's one of those things where people don't remember this movie because there was just so much like tabloid fodder at the time, and it just like so oh, just like culturally, you know, like we just wanted to be in people's lives so deeply. And Will Smith 
Unlike Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise has never really um, accepted like social media as where I feel like Will Smith was like, I'm being a superstar in like a new time and is very much embraced the social media aspect. But I think the problem is that I personally, to be colossal, you have to use your social media uh, correctly and you have to use it as like an extension of your branding as opposed to like you personally using it. So like around this time, they've been, Jada and Will have been just, dodging divorce rumors for years just like every year it's like they're getting divorced and they're like we're not we're not they've made like odd comments about open marriage but they're like the kind of comments where you could definitely interpret them as like jada saying they have an open marriage but you could also just interpret it as her being like listen he's a grown man and he's gonna do it grown whatever he wants to do because he's a grown man and as long as he's comfortable looking in the mirror that's on him. We're like, part of me is like, I get that. Like, she's not saying they have an open marriage. She's just saying like, if someone's going to cheat, they're going to cheat. Now we're also looking at this with 2022 20, eyes. And we do know now that she was having an extensive affair and they had like a red table talk and we'll get into it later on. But like, he also made an odd comment about how they've both made mistakes that put their marriage in jeopardy. And that's like very vague. Relationships are very nuanced. So who knows what he meant by that? But in 2015, 2014, there were some very strong rumors that Marco Robbie and Will Smith were canoodling. And some of the rumors were like, they didn't go to the rap party. The two of them decided to hang out in his trailer instead I and they're very charismatic together. Like they are, their interviews together are fucking great and they're fun. I feel like this is probably some of the best chemistry he's had with a lady in a movie. Um, they do. They have just like a really nice chemistry together. I think the most damning thing is that photo booth pictures got leaked, and they both look pretty inebriated. And in one picture, he is lifting his shirt up to expose his chest, and she is also lifting her shirt up to expose her bra. And, you know, they, Will Smith has never come out about anything about Margot Robbie. Never said a word. She said, nothing's there. Friends having a good time. But maybe I'm not a secure woman. I can tell you right now, I would not be thrilled if I found a picture of Mark right now and some chick was lifting up his fucking sh- lifting up her shirt in a picture with him. Like that's like a line in our marriage that I would not be thrilled with. Maybe like Will and Jada are more involved and you know, that doesn't phase them just because of what they do for work. Like, you know, he's like smooching people or whatever. So maybe it's like not as big of a thing, but just from like the public viewpoint for a normal couple. That's maybe not something that you'd be kosher with. And, um, you know, all of this is to say, I think the reason focus got lost is because all of that stuff was like just bigger and more in your face. And like, unfortunately that's the shit you're remembering from this movie, as opposed to the movie. Why did I think that Jada was trying to help him have sex with her? Maybe you just like interpreted like the open marriage as that way. I don't know. 
I I thought I saw an interview where he was she was like telling him like like she he she was saying how beautiful Margot Robbie is and that you have to like kiss her good like you can't be bad at kissing type of thing if you're going to be doing sex scenes with her I don't know maybe it was just this one off interview So I I don't have much to add. The only thing I want to say is in regards to those photo booth picks, I've never read an article on them. So again, I'm, I'm in the dark on this. I've only come across them in like click baby, like Buzzfeed articles or like swiping through Instagram. And then you see these like photo booth pictures. I knew nothing about the movie focus going. I knew there was a movie called focus. I knew Margot Robbie and Will Smith were in it, but whenever I came across those photo booth, photos of them in there acting silly that always reeked to me as in movie character stuff like oh that's from a deleted scene where they were in a photo booth together like they're in a relationship in this fucking movie so this is a goofy scene where they get drunk and go in a photo booth or it reeked of like character building shit where it's like them getting together again i haven't read any articles but it sounds like that isn't the case this wasn't this was like on their off time Allegedly, how many how many um, actors and actors do you think pork each other when they're in a relationship? In a movie? Well, here's the other thing: a lot. You know what I've heard? I've heard um, actors saying the worst thing you can do is fuck each other when you're making a movie because you lose all the chemistry. That the best thing to do is to not have sex with each other so that that sexual tension mm. really like comes through on screen. Marlon Brando always acted with blue balls. <laughs> that was Damn. the secret. No, he allegedly. Was um, uh, but here's the other thing I want to ask too: Why this one out of this movie? Like this happens all the time, where there's like two on-screen people, and it's man and girl, and, and a woman, man and girl. Jesus <laughs> Christ! He's talking about Leon the professional boy, boy and woman. <laughs> um, but you have people. With chemistry, and there's those rumors. I feel like because that was a it sells the movie in the 90s, right? Right, right. But why I do is think it's like a little bit of a PR one in the thing. Last... What's you know that? Why you know why, Eric? Why is this one though? Because we haven't talked about I even recognize that this was one where it's like, ooh, onset rumors. There was chemistry. You know why? Like, why haven't we done that with I don't know, fucking he Robert Downey Jr. Like well, that. one, I'll what tell you one. I think right. we're gonna get down to plain old racism. She's a young blonde white chick his other movies have all been like black or like spanish girls so i honestly i think it's just like some like well who wouldn't want to fuck a blonde white girl two he honestly doesn't star with a lot of women you know what i mean like what we have um ava mendez we have ali and one of the love interests was just his own fucking wife and then Rosaria Dawson. Rosaria. Men in Black 2. Oh, yeah. But like, she's like not even in it for like an overly long period. You know what I mean? Like, there's just not a lot of movies that he makes that are focused on like the female male relationship. You know what I mean? It might be like a side plot. But I think maybe that's part of the rumor why it's like he's just not that guy who makes a lot of, you know, romance heavy movies. Gotcha. Yep. That that tracks. All right. Should I go through the plot of focus? I'll try my best, guys. Uh, Will Smith plays Nick 
Spurgeon. Margot Robbie plays Jess Barrett. And it starts off where uh, Margot Robbie is. She's like the, 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 them meeting is she's like in a bar and some guy that she's with is kind of acting like a dick. Right. And so Will Smith comes by and he's like, hey, you leave her alone. He's like eating at this restaurant alone. And uh, they start kind of like flirting a little bit and hanging out. And um, they end up going up to the hotel at this restaurant or like a hotel room at this restaurant. And they're about to pork each other. And um, her husband busts in and he's like, hey, you're that's my wife there. And they're like, and basically it's like um, it's like they're con artists, right? Margot Robbie's a con artist and they're trying to like steal his wallet or some shit like that. But really, Will Smith is also a con artist and he kind of calls them out. And in in the in the bedroom there, and he's like, I just kind of wanted to see how far your con would go, whatever, something like that. Anywho, Will Smith is like this big con artist or Nick or whatever his name. Nikki. Nikki is this big con artist, and he kind of uses this as an opportunity to recruit Jess, Margot Robbie's character, for a big con that he's going to do with like way too many people way too many people in Louisiana for the Super Bowl. They're in Louisiana for like Super Bowl, whatever, between two teams that don't exist in the NFL. And they're doing they're doing a con. This is not, oh, my God, it's not even a con. It's like. Was it the Newsies? There's a there's a there's a musical movie where just like everybody's a pickpocket and they go through and they pickpocket a bunch of people. And that's kind of like what they're doing in louisiana right they're like on bourbon street and they're just <laughs> there's there's like 30 people and they're all just like pickpocketing people right and they end up with like a big i don't know, like 1.2 million dollars and it's and they're all gonna split it at some point and so he kind of like recruits jess for that and the whole time it's it's uh, they're they're creating a relationship right they're horny for each other they're banging at points and um you know, it's like, oh, there's definitely something there type of thing. Now, they are about to leave because they have to leave and like split up this one point two million. And um, for whatever reason, Nikki has Super Bowl tickets and he's like, I got Super Bowl tickets. You want to you want to come with? Because, you know, they're building a relationship. And she's like, sure, why not? And they go to the Super Bowl and they're watching it from like the, the fancy seats. What do they call like the box seats or whatever? And just for funsies. Uh, Jess and Nikki start kind of like betting on small things. It'll be something like, oh, look at this. Uh, this guy, is he going to catch the hot dog that they're throwing at him? And if he does, it's like a buck or whatever. And then they do one where it's like, hey, this lady, she's going to be walking to take a crap. Um, how many people are going to look at her poop shoot as she's going, you know, to, to the bathroom? And they bet on that. Well, there's a guy that's also sitting in the booth with them. Who is the is he the morgue person from Law and Order SVU? What character is he from Law and yeah, Order? Yeah, yeah, he's Dr. Wong. Dr. Wong from Law and Order yeah. SVU. Yeah. And he's like a counselor, oh, a psychologist. Shit. Isn't that great? He that is, is the he's the fucking best in this. He is so good in this scene. I love this scene so much. Either way, he starts betting with them. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, keep going, keep going. Oh, he starts betting with them where it's like, oh, I'll take that bet. If it's, you know, how many people are going to look at this lady's butt and the bets start getting pretty like 
extensive. Like they and and oh, rewind before that. Uh, Will Smith's boss, like before they go to the Super Bowl, just like, hey, no betting. Either way, they start betting. Oh wait, let me stop you. So yeah. that guy is BB Wong from Jurassic Park. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 Jurassic Park also, and he just yes. fucking kills it. He's great. He kills it. Everything and should have a much bigger yes. career. Well, I mean, Lana hey, they put him great. in those new Jurassic Park movies. No, but I'm saying like he three. should, you know, he's all he should be a he, bad guy in like every movie. Yeah, he's, so he's great. He's doing this scene, and in this scene, they're like. The bets start getting like where it's not just 10 bucks. It's like $200,000 and it's like $200,000. Yeah, they get like weirdly big that uh, that they're going to catch the the, on the field. They're going to catch the ball or whatever. And then it's like double it, double it, double it to the point where now Will Smith is betting with money. He that's not his or even money that he doesn't have. And he keeps on going and it's getting really intense. And you can see like Will Smith is losing his cool and um uh, SVU scientist guy is like he at some point is almost like we need to stop betting, dude, because you're like you're 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 losing a lot. And so finally, Will Smith is like, we're going to double it. And he bets like two million dollars, two million dollars that you know, Will Smith only has half of that. And also, that's not his money that he's betting to begin with. So it's like a really intense moment. And he's like, we're betting two million dollars. And the bet is that what's his name? Did you say B.D. Wong from... Yeah, B.D. Wong. B.D. Uh, Wong. I don't know what it is in the movie. He starts look... like the, the bet is that he will get binoculars, look down on the field, and um, he will find one of the He'll players player and he will, he will find one of the players and he will look at their number, okay? And then they have it. So Margot Robbie's character, who's not in on this, Jess is not in on this, and she's pretty upset that it's all happening. She will then also look on the field and she will try to guess who he found or what number. Like basically, BD Wong has got a number, Jess has two, then also pick that number. And that's how Will Smith wins. So the odds are pretty, it's like one in a hundred. The odds are pretty high that Will Smith will lose. Um, and basically, she looks on the field and one of the guys that they were pickpocketing with is in uniform as a football player. And she's just like, oh, shit, that's a sign that I need to pick that guy, because why is this pickpocket guy, this con artist on the field in the Super Bowl? And it starts to hit her that, oh, my God, Will Smith's character, Nikki, set this all up. And this is a fucking large con. Right. And he calls and 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 Will Smith wins all of his money back. And Will Smith it was basically conning B.D. Wong's character and. And um, Justin was not in on it. What's it called? He's like the a blind mouse, a blind mouse in the con. Um, and basically they, they were saying that like they were grooming and prepping BD Wong the entire day with like the number 46 to 55, 55, whatever it was. And, and somehow they just knew that he was going to pick it or it's ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. But either way, Will the Smith. movie doesn't end there. <laughs> yeah. It feels like you just explained a climax. Well, yeah. And well, dude, kind of- this is. Not to not to stall you here, but you this is so fucking telling because as I was watching that sequence, I'm like, oh, this is the movie's like big set piece. And a set piece, for those who don't know, is like a sequence in a film 
that is like its own small narrative within the film. So like in Dune, that's when they go in the sandworms come out for the first time, like that whole sequence from them flying out to the desert, to the worm showing up, to people getting killed and having to escape. That's a set piece. That's a sequence in a film that is telling this like small miniature story. And as this is going down, I'm like, holy shit, this is like a, cool set piece in the film because yes it has to do with the movie but it's its own narrative within the movie this thing that's unfolding that you could take out potentially another example is if you ever seen there will be blood it's when the oil derrick blows up and sets on fire like that whole sequence from the start of it to the end is a set piece so this film has a very good middle set piece yeah and basically at the end of it nikki and jess who have been, been creating a relationship um, they're driving away and he kicks her out and he's like, this is where we part ways. Sweetheart gives her a bunch of money and they, they, they split up and it's three years later. And now Will Smith is being, or Nikki as a con artist is being hired by like an, a, a millionaire that owns F1 racing cars. Mm-hmm. And what, and he's hiring Will Smith's character for a con. And the con is, that the guy that he's working for has this new formula or something to make the F1 racing car faster. I don't know. exactly. It's like a new technology or some shit. And the con is that Will Smith is going to sell it to another racing company, but he's going to. It's go. It's not. It's he's not going to give it's them fake. all the info. It's fake. He's basically selling them a lemon type of thing so that this guy still wins his F1 racing. And the other team thinks that they're getting it, but it's actually he's giving them something that slows down their car. It's basically a way of cheating. And Will Smith has to con them into buying it. And Will Smith keeps the money. So that's that con. But what throws a wrench in it is Jess is banging that. She's porking that dude. Right. So now it's like maybe. And so now the whole thing, the, the movie gets pretty kind of. It gets bogged down and confusing, but all you need to know at this point is basically Will Smith is trying to sell this fake shit to the other F1 Formula One racing companies. Um, Jess is with that guy, or at least Will Smith thinks she's with Nikki thinks she's with that guy. Um, And it's throwing a wrench in the whole thing because it's just like they both see each other and they're like, what the hell? Why are you? you hear basically because it's like it's in a different country right or is it here when i was at yeah so it's like why are you even here so the whole time they're trying to like work out their relationship you know they're like going on weird dates with each other fast forward to the end will smith actually steals the true formula or true yeah. like technology that the guy was trying to get him to sell and he literally sells it to everybody Mm-hmm. evening out the playing field in this race but also making like 21 million dollars like re- yeah, 25 million dollars yeah. or something that he now has and jess how is she involved in the jess is jess was just trying to steal his watch steal his watch they weren't even really a couple or together she was just making it seem like they were a couple or Make together Nikki or something like this bullshit and then the whole time this millionaire dude in buenos Aires has a has a muscle that's kind of like giving Will Smith shit the whole time and like kind of keeping an eye on him the whole time. Yeah. Well, that muscle at the end of it, Will Smith gets caught. That muscle shoots Will Smith. <laughs> Blood squirting everywhere. Jess is like, what the fuck? And the uh, millionaire guy is like, that, that, that 
that caught Will Smith red-handed is just like, why did you shoot him? You got to deal with this. And he like leaves the room. Turns out that that muscle, this kind of like, they, they explain it by, throughout the movie, but that muscle is actually Will Smith's father and he's in on the con and he shot him in just the right spot where it's okay that he got shot. Just collapsed his lung. No big deal. <laughs> that was not an issue <laughs> yeah. at all. The last thing I want is a fucking bullet in me in South America <laughs> where, you know, those great doctors down there. And so, like, he ends up saving him. Like, the, the shooting him was part of the con. And they leave with the, the money. She, again, she's a blind mouse. Um, which I kind of appreciate because a lot of these movies, it's just like it's the flip is going to be like matchstick men, where it's just like the lady was conning you the whole time. Well, they right? did try and do that. Like the last 15 minutes is just like, guess what, bitch? I conned this. And it's just like, well, bitch, I conned you. Well, bitch, yeah. I knew you were. And I was conning you. And well, bitch, I was conning all of you. And just like it was the, con whiplash. Basically, the they end. end up together. Right. Sort of, and the dad runs off with all the money, but it, like kind of in a funny way, just like "fuck you," I'm taking the money. I don't know why that was funny at all. Like honestly, like I'll say <laughs> I that <got> shot. <laughs> I vibe with most of the movie. Like I'll I'll let the cat out of the bag. I was mostly okay with this movie. I think the end, like the third act, kind of clunky, but like whatever. Like for what it is, it was pretty good. It was pretty quick. But I was like really belligerent at the end where I was just like, they're really letting daddy just walk away with 25 million. Like you wouldn't be like, yo, dad, you have to at least leave a million. Like they just got to walk away with a two hundred thousand dollar watch. Like what the fuck? And the dad is Dude, the, you the didn't doctor understand, from This Is Us. You didn't understand the ending. We'll get into it. All right, well, let's okay. see. well, that's that's my <laughs> synopsis right there. What's well, the end? The, the only thing I want to say is this movie falls into the classic genre of con movies and yeah. classics such as Matchstick Men. Mark, you remember Matchstick Men? I love right? Matchstick Men. Yeah. Uh, there's also Cage. the Brothers the Brothers Bloom, a Ryan Johnson flick, Last Jedi Boy. Um, there's also, if you go older, Paper Moon, you know, classic con film. But there's these con artist films. And as the movie started to unfold, I'm like, oh, my God, we're watching a con movie. Because like Lily said, I'm in the same boat. I didn't know what the fuck this movie was about until I started watching it. I'm like, oh, they're doing a con movie. And it sounds like you guys got a little belligerent at the end or maybe Lily got belligerent. But I think it avoided some of the more annoying con things. But we can get into that when we get there, because I think it's more specific to those scenes at the way. I, I, I appreciate that it wasn't the end, the usual ending where it's just like, actually, this person that you think didn't know anything was the con artist, right? Matchstick men, they do it where it's like the, the is, does he think it's his daughter? Or whatever, like she's like fake. That, she's yeah. pretending to be yeah. his daughter, and the whole time he's like teaching her how to con, and then she's just like, "Actually, I'm just a, I'm a 19 year old pretending to be 12, and I'm the con artist." Which is just like I, that's what I thought they were going to do with Margot Robbie. So I appreciate that they. they that's what I was so. Yes, that's what I was so afraid of. Whatever, we could just get into it because we're talking about it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. God, my fear was at the end. When she gets reintroduced to the red dress and they reconnect after three years apart, they do the whole Super Bowl thing. They part ways or whatever. He gives her 80,000 takes off. I was like, fuck, she's going to show back up. Then she's the one who conned the whole thing. And the funniest thing in the whole fucking movie is they do that at the end where they're at gunpoint. And she's like, I've actually been in on it. And you're like, oh, fuck. Is this like something where they're playing him? 
but you find out she she's just in it for a watch like her con wasn't anything big it has nothing to do with what will smith's doing and then you find out the bad guy was like i couldn't even have sex with her she kept saying she was on her period oh i've got a headache or i have a headache and i'm like oh that subverts it like mark said where typically these movies do the exhausting thing of guess what here's like the big thing and blah 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 blah, and you're like oh my god get on with it like i don't care i thought it was funny that she, her con was like kind of like peanuts compared to what will smith is doing well, just kept saying i like stealing watches yeah she yeah exactly <laughs> she just like stealing watches uh which was super rad and then even with like the dad taking the money how i interpret it because yeah absolutely like the dad makes off with all the fucking money but it's like oh this whole movie is about like him not fucking screwing over people that he cares for. So like them being together at the end is like the sad, that's the money, right? It's them becoming a couple at the end. That's the satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, they're still going to need some <laughs> fucking money. Uh, he got shot in the lung. He's going to have medical bills for years upon years. Yeah. He ain't going to be, he ain't um, going to be good for a while. Well, you know what? I think what was tough about that third act, the minute you're in Buenos Aires and she pops back up, is the whole time you're like, you can't believe anything that's happening. Cause you're like, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Cause it's a con movie. And that's always mm-hmm. what happens. So, and they've already done it to you. Like the super bowl one, like, well, yeah. we should get into just that scene generally speaking, but like they already tricked you. So when you get to Buenos Aires, you know, he's like trying to win her back and you're just like, nah, like I don't believe anything happening right now yeah. because the other shoe's going to drop. So I like that when the shoes finally started dropping, they were almost like, let's fucking overwhelm them. And they started dropping like a ton of shoes. So you're like, wait, what? 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 And I'll give it to them. They dropped so many shoes at the end that I didn't see the final shoe drop of when the guy shoots him. And it's his Mm. fucking dad. Because throughout the whole movie, they do do a very nice job of bringing up his father and his grandfather. Like, they trickle it in pretty unobviously. It helped that he was also a white dude. And he was also a white guy. He was um, the doctor from This Is Us, for all you ladies out there. And guys. And guys who were forced to watch it. Um, But the whole time, they sprinkle the dad in just enough that you know he's in there but not so much that you're like, oh, obviously he's going to pop back up. And again, I'm sure if it was a black guy, maybe. But the fact that they did do a white guy also helped them. But I really was just like, oh, shit. Like, they got me. They they really genuinely got me. I had no idea that that guy was going to be in on the con and was like the dad. So, like, I appreciated it. Because, like, at first, all those drops were, like, a little too much. But then like they gave that big one where it was the dad that I did kind of feel like a happy enough payoff with it. The, the This movie, I feel like we all generally liked like it's not a perfect movie in any way, but it was like Margot Robbie and Will Smith are great in it. And it's just fun to watch the what it was missing for me, though. It's something that Ocean's Eleven did great. It's something that Better Call Saul does really great. It's something that Matchstick Men did great. And they tried to do it. They had the scene. And they had some of it, but like Margot Robbie is like the newbie, right? And they have to teach her the ropes. And like Better Call Saul does that where there's a ton of cons. He's like a con artist, right? Yeah. But the cons are like so cool that he's doing in Better Call Saul. And this, 
The teaching part is just them pickpocketing a bunch of people on Bourbon Street. And it was just like, and like Ocean's Eleven, it's just like you get the plan. You get to like see the Mission Impossible mm. style plan of what they're going to do. And in Magic Men, there's like more intricate cons, or at least it's like cooler to watch like, oh, how this brain works to create this con. And this one, it was just literally 30 people pickpocketing. It was volume. And it was, it was like volume. And it was like, this is like kind of lame. I want like, I want to see how his brain works. I want to see how you're like really conning somebody with a fake wall and they're, you're grabbing the bag of money or something and you're triple conning other people. Like I, I, I want, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what I wanted to see. And I, you didn't really get that. The conning was a little hard at the beginning because it was just honestly like volume where it's like, if there was a restaurant of 30 people, 26 of them we're in on the con. So it's like, oh, okay, this is just like a numbers game yeah, this at is, this uh, point. But then they gave you the football scene, yeah, yeah, which was the bigger con. And honestly, this movie does do a good job because they let you know as an audience how they're going to con you. And they do it anyways because the whole football scene, after they do it, he goes into like elaborate detail. He's like, this is how I knew he would pick the guy we planted on the field because we've been hiding the number five all motherfucking day. And like, it's outrageous. Like they have it in like lampshades and on cars, like, like a truly, like a truly not real, but really fun to watch con. And then they're like, we've got the who song that says like, in, in Chinese or Japanese. Yeah, it says like five. The devil, yeah. It says five in Japanese the whole time. Yada, yada, it's, yada. Uh, it's Rolling, yeah, Rolling Stones. Rolling but you're Stones, right, hoo, yes. Hoo, yeah. And they tell you all of this and then you fucking realize at the end of the movie they've been doing it to you the whole goddamn time. Like With the dad you, stuff? With the dad stuff. And also... They fucking trick you so hard in the football scene because they do a really good job of showing him gambling and like alluding to he might have a problem gambling. Yeah, they raise the stakes real. And then really his great. number one guy, as he's giving him all the money that he's going to wire to everyone, he's just like, hey, and he kind of does it near Margot Robbie to hear no gambling. You got me. This is people's money. No gambling. Don't gamble. And like you just you've already seen him gamble. So you're like, okay, he has like a problem, which makes sense. He's a fucking con artist. And so then when he starts gambling, they do some cool shit where like they unfocus the fucking camera a few times. And you're like, oh, shit, this is it. He's losing focus. He's off his game. He's doing insane shit. He has a gambling problem. Margot Robbie being a blind mouse is fantastic because you are you're I was there with her where you're just like holy yeah, fucking they, shit what is his pro like the whole time you're like he has a serious gambling problem and then it's like no he was never having a gambling problem and you're like oh man they started tricking me 40 minutes ago to believe this scene yeah they tricked me so bad that during that part i went to lily but he's got a gambling problem <laughs> like during the movie like that's how bad oh, he's got a gambling problem like, the like, out of so focus yeah the out of focus thing really actually sold that scene for me because i'm just like 
it's kind of it's maybe my one nitpick with the movie is that this is we'll get into it but basically when it went out of focus i'm like oh that's fucking really clever to do in this sequence because Mm -hmm. he's clearly not on top of his game but it's a weird thing because narratively going out of focus isn't real he's still in focus so Mm -hmm. to go to out of focus implies not emotionally but it could be from margot robbie's perspective also you know what it is yeah that is like almost a wink in the camera i think that's the director. It's not Will Smith going out of focus. It's not his character going out of focus. It's the director winking at you being like, I'm conning you now. But is that bitch. cheating? Fuck. Are you then cheating the audience? I don't care. Tricking them. Yeah, trick me. It's a con movie. Because the thing is, they they do. I'll give them this. They do the work where they tricked me, but then they reveal the cards and you're like, oh, shit. You gave me a lot of breadcrumbs to have been able to figure it out for myself, but I invested into the con of this movie and I didn't let myself pick up those breadcrumbs. So like, you know, at least it's not one of those things where you get to the end of the movie and you're like, like, it's a remember me where you're like, what the fuck? This is a 9-11 movie. If you backtrack through the movie, the breadcrumbs are all there. You just you know, they said, look over here instead. So you didn't pick up any of the breadcrumbs. It feels it feels at least earned enough. All right. Here we go. For the people at home, Mark has taken off his hoodie, I think. Is that true? Cotton here? Yeah. Unless it's a con. Uh Oh, they're con. Bef- that was a new hoodie before you. It's just warm before you get into. Uh, Are you play Jeremy Renner? No, no. Oh, my God. I will die before you get into it. What? Um, I just wrote in my notes. That's my dick gag. Oh, so good. When they're looking at uh, the fat guy's Oh, phone. that was funny. Oh, okay. We'll get into that. Yeah, All right, that, that is really funny. Good. All right. Oh, yeah. We, we need to just get into that character, generally speaking, well, when Eric's done, just yeah. because there's some like weird shit about him. Uh, so I, Mark earlier evoked the movie Ocean's Eleven, the Ocean series, 11, 12, and 13. They're all con artist movies right they're the gamblers or the thieves who sneak into casino and rob mm-hmm. the place yada 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 um and then at the end there's the big reveal where you're just like oh my god they're caught and they didn't do it and what well, but wait it's not a con artist movie. it's something different it's like a heist 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 movie. yeah heist same and at, and at the end they do similar thing to this where they show you like Oh, the whole time I was blah, blah, blah. And George Clooney was wearing a mask and and you can see how they pulled with the wool over everyone's eyes and got away with the with the big heist or whatever. This movie feels very much Ocean's Eleven light. And the reason I say mm. that is, is Steven Sonnenberg is the one who directed the Ocean movies. And for those who don't know, he's like an experimental indie a filmmaker from like been working since the late 80s who has snuck himself into Hollywood films. And when you go and see his movies, they're like absurd and wild, but he gets like George Clooney and all these like big talents, but they're really like his like filmmaking hand is very, very strong. Whereas this feels like if they had a Pinterest board, it was probably all the scenes from like Ocean's Eleven. They're like, we want to shoot it this way. We want to light it this way, but they don't have the deft hand of a Steven Sonnenberg behind the camera. They have like, the guys, which no diss to them, the people who made like crazy, stupid love and more like 
lighthearted entertainment for the masses and not saying they're not skilled filmmakers because there is very skillful stuff going on but you can just tell this is like the light version of like an ocean's 11 right where it's just like there's more cleverness to the filmmaking and the the operation of the camera or the angles or how it's edited in those films compared to this and again that's not this because i actually really enjoyed this movie um that was just what was rallying in my brain it's like oh they had a mood board and it was scenes from ocean's 11 well, Eric, I'm kind of surprised by you that you haven't brought up how this movie was edited. Oh, dude, we have to get it because I have that program on my fucking computer right now. That's what I used to edit. And yeah. it's like a bad editing. Don't it is a me bad it's movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's only a step up. This is the first movie like, you know, at this caliber that was fully edited using Final Cut Pro. That's bad. Uh, no, 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 no. Final Cut Pro X. Oh, X. my God. Oh, no, that's the pro- Is that a difference? Final Cut Pro X. For, am I wrong here, Eric? Final Cut Pro X was made like Final Cut Pro is like, that's how you fucking edit a movie, at least from when oh. I went to college, which was, you know, 15 years ago. But Final Cut Pro X or Final Cut Pro X was like it was like for everybody it's it was like, like free version, it, right? like or the near. or like, it no, had like a magnetic like go to the next clip type of thing. Whereas I don't, it's, it was much more user friendly makes a difference. Yes. Well, let's yeah, let's yeah, get, you, into you get into it, Eric. We'll get into the editing program. So final cut used to be like the standard for filmmaking. It was final cut and it was avid were the two standards of like editing digitally when digital editing became a thing. Final cut pro went up to seven, I believe was like the last like professional version of it. And seven it was a very like high efficient machine. They used X on this. So real? X, when X came out and X came out probably in like 2012, it debuted. Um, X was kind of a joke because you're right. They made it because they wanted to make it more user friendly. Because if you look at like an Avid or even a Premiere, Premiere is another program that's used very heavily now in mainstream films and professional commercial work. It's not user friendly. Like if you don't know how to navigate it, you're going to be so fucking lost. You're not going to be able to edit anything together. But if you do know how to navigate it, it's so fucking convenient and you can make really cool videos and have multiple video tracks, multiple audio tracks, all that good stuff. Final Cut X comes out. They got rid of what was working before to make it easier for people. But in doing that, it's like so fucking weird and clunky but here's the thing as much as i want to trash i can't believe they edited the feature film on this i love final cut x only because i'm the psycho where you like you meet an artist who learned how to use like microsoft paint but they can do really great things and everyone would be like why the fuck are you using microsoft paint you know there's photoshop but it's like the person who has the dumbed down tools and figured out how to exploit them and can do what people in photoshop can do somehow and you're like what that's impossible. When I use Final Cut X, I'm just like, people are like, oh my God, how do you use that? But it's like, I've learned every fucking stupid corner of it that I've figured out how to manipulate it to my advantage. But I wouldn't even say like, it's it's like an artist using paint because I'm impressed if somebody can do use paint because paint is not user-friendly. I would right. say Photoshop is more user-friendly than paint. Lily, this is what I would say. It's like, it's like but, if somebody- But it's had not to- user-friendly. Oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, you've used. I was gonna say it's like they tried to make it user friendly, so it's like the difference between Photoshop, like making a flyer on Photoshop and making a flyer on Canva. 
Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good call. Good call. You know what I mean? Okay. Where it's like Canva's yeah, yeah. built for like anybody can do this in 10 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's yeah, how the, I say. the irony is that Final Cut will tout that it's user friendly and for the masses. But even like I would love to put someone who's never used an editing program in Final Cut X and they'd be like, what the fuck is this horseshit? Like, where do you even go for some of it? Again, I use it. I love it. I'd fucking edit a feature on it, but it is kind of <laughs> wild. I bet they got like a huge endorsement because most movies to this day are still Avid. Are you know they add on Avid or Premiere are your two go to? Well, I wonder why Final Cut like, just decided they, to throw that all away, like the professional. I know, market like were, that it was in the vernacular, like yeah, that was the Final program Cut. that had weight to they it. They really don't have it anymore. I mean, they have it, but they don't do uh, like a professional, as in Premiere or mm. Avid. I, like, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'll go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was going to say, like, this might be the last high budget film that was ever edited with Final <laughs> Cut X. It I, was the first and last. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. You know, I don't know about the film side of stuff, but like in in like audio editing and like in radio audio editing, people are so weird that I'm talking about. It doesn't matter if you're a syndicated radio show or market one or market two. Everybody uses the same editing program, Adobe Audition 2.0 from like the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm. We're all still using it. Because everybody uses it so across the board. So just like you can transfer it seamlessly between everybody. And it's just, it's exactly what you need. Mm. Nothing more, nothing less. People in radio are the dumbest motherfuckers in the world. You can't give them, a, you can't give them anything too complicated type mm. of thing. And so I don't know if, if uh, you know, I don't know about TV and film, but like in radio, it's just like everybody uses the same program. That's the oldest fucking thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, I know editors who like hang on to like their licenses for certain either Final Cut Pro 7 or like a version of Avid that's outdated. And they're just like, I'm just holding on to it because this is the one I know and I don't want to like cross over and then maybe some files don't port over or maybe Mm. I go to the new editing program and it it doesn't have a function that the previous one had that I really wish it had. So like there's a lot of complication. I will give it to Final Cut Pro X. It does roll with the times pretty quick where it's like now you can edit 4K. Now you can edit 8K. Like it's a machine that can fucking run if you have the proper computer like you can edit some high quality footage, but yeah, a lot of people Mark saying with this fucking radio thing, I bet it's because if you pour it over to something new, you're going to either lose files or now you can't send a file to someone in Texas who has Adobe or whatever it is. Adobe audition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, did mean, you find it good? That program? Sorry. <laughs> oh, do you like the Adobe program? Audition? Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Like I've used much more complicated audio recording programs that are better programs. But like I said, radio people are dumb. Like you can't give them too much. They need just what they need. Mm. And that's it. All right. What were you trying to say? Oh, I was just going to say um, it was said too that. So they're using the Final Cut Pro X. He was editing shit as they were filming it. Like he was editing like in real time while they were currently filming things. Which, Which I is, mean, like, that might be kind of like a nice benefit, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not as uncommon as you think. Uh, the more common thing is that you wait till you're done shooting, and then you start putting it together. 
Um, maybe an editor's roughly just kind of like banking stuff and uh, organizing files for you while you're shooting. But Kevin Smith, since like Red State, which was probably like 2011 or something, he'll have the movie done on the last day of shooting. Mm. He'll shoot all day, edit all night, shoot all day, edit all night. I get that Kevin Smith's films maybe aren't as big of a production as something like this or whatever, but he'll literally edit daily. Um, I think with Rise of Skywalker, they were editing daily just because they had such a time crunch. So like the editor would be on set, they put together the scene, they would know if they needed more coverage or more shots or whatever. So it is kind of a common thing now. And again, when they say like a first cut at the end, it's not what we just watch. It's like rough audio, CGI missing, you know, a lot of things. I mean, it makes sense to me to like do it as you go because you'd hate to get to, because that's when you see like these huge budget films going like way out of budget where it's like, fuck, now we got to do a couple weeks of reshoots because when we're in the editing room, we find out we don't have this or that or this. I, I, yeah, I, I think, well, the one thought I was just going to have, I think for like big budget films like this, I agree with you hundred percent, Lily. It's just like edit while you go. Cause if you have an action sequence or a set piece and you're like, Oh fuck, we never got that shot of Margot Robbie. Like, and we really need that piece. So let's go and get it quick. Whereas I think, there is something to be said about like, again, whatever, I'll, I'll be pretentious about it, like a more artistic film being like, let's just shoot it. Because when you get to the editing, I think the fun is like not getting too much in your own brain of like what you shot that day. You wait till it's all over and now you have to sculpt what you have into the new piece of art. You can't go back. So it's like, fuck, I'm missing that shot. What is the creative solution Mm. is maybe we hang on this shot longer. Maybe we get out of this scene quicker. Maybe we do this. So there's those two school thoughts. All right. So Margot Robbie. Yeah. What is it about her compared to other people? Because I'll do the guy version. Like there's people like a lot of the Chris's, you know, and like Tom Hardy for the longest time. I'm not even like trying to be funny. I've, I saw like a billion Tom Hardy movies and I couldn't tell you what he looked like. Yeah. Like he just has a fate. Like it's like I'm like face blind to fucking Tom Hardy. Like, yeah, I watched Dunkirk and I was like, that's Tom Hardy. He also had his face covered like half the time. Either way. <laughs> Maybe that's why he, all these movies. He has his face he fucking covered. Face covered. Yes. Either way. So there's also like a, and like a bunch of like blonde ladies. Yes. Like um Amber Heard. Yep. Um, is it Lily Reinhardt? Maybe something Reinhardt in Riverdale. Yeah, like because I'll see pictures of her and I'm like, wait, that's not Amber Heard. And but Margot Robbie falls into that category of just like blonde actress lady, there's, but she stands out where she looks different for some reason than the rest of them. Um, I there's a lot that look very similar. Um, I think that's probably just the nature of being like blonde and fair skinned in Hollywood and smaller breasted. But she also has uh, in her career has risen above them, too. You know, I'm going to say this. I think she's got what you want in Hollywood, where it's like that weird thing that you can't put your finger on it. But she's got the X factor where, yes, she's obviously super attractive, but I think she's got something that's very, um, I don't want to say unusual because I don't want to like undercut my ladies out there, but like she has really good comedic timing 
and it's very unexpected. Like she could easily just be in this movie and be like the nice piece to look at. She could play the young ingenue that's like, oh, I don't know anything about this grifting world. But like instead, she has like a lot of like solid digs of her own. Um, There's just like a lot of points where she genuinely seems like she's laughing in the movie. Like she's just got like a good um, like timing about her and like an authenticness about her. And again, she it would be so easy for her to play these kind of roles or like, you know, her and Wolf of Wall Street. It's easy for her to play those roles is just like a bimbo and she doesn't make that choice. She like lets them, she lets her characters be funny. She lets them be like a little bit more nuanced. And then that's just like on top of her also being attractive. So I feel like that to me, like a Julia Roberts thing. Yeah. Like it, it really helps her. I think like she really stood her own against Will Smith in this movie. I couldn't say it better. Everything you said, Lily, was dead on. She's very, very natural. She does this thing because she's Australian. So when she plays American, she kind of defaults into Harley Quinn, which obviously Mm. she plays Harley Quinn. But she has a little bit of that rasp and like, like, what the frick are you talking about? Like, she gets kind of like Brooklyn on you for a second. And you're like. You're like, oh, shit. And that's someone who's comfortable in their skin where they can be. um, What's the word uh, where you like make fun of yourself? uh, Yeah. Self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. She can be that very easily. And like, again, she's a fucking crazy specimen of a human being or whatever. But the fact that she can just be like goofy (laughs) and have. Mark and I both made like a face when you said that. So is Will Smith. Okay. (laughs) Oh, I wasn't saying Will Will Smith's a fucking piece (laughs) man. And they both got good flow. But like, she's like extraordinarily. You know what it is? Someone who's attractive. Just like sometimes they can grate you. Or it's just like, oh, we get yeah. it. Like you're attractive. She never comes off that way. Like yeah. in interviews, in her roles, she's never like, like killing you. Which is like, aren't I a fucking babelicious? Like she's definitely coming to roles and like offering more than just how she looks. Yeah, I'll give it. This is the first. This is the first movie that I've seen her, and I guess I haven't seen her in a ton. I, you know, Wall Wolf, Street, I, I, but where she's like the star, mm. you know, she's she's it's like pretty she'll much 50, 50 that movie. I feel like I would now go see a Margot Robbie movie, where I'm like, oh yeah, like she's really good, like the Barbie movie or whatever. I'm like, oh yeah, like I'll I'll go see that. Or was she was she the lady that 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 uh busted in the figure skater's legs? Was she? Oh that yeah, movie yeah, too? yeah. Uh, she's nice I Tanya. I yeah. she was yeah. good in that too. Um, I would say also her. It's not just her and Will Smith. Her and that um the the big fat um uh, Hispanic guy were like oh, awesome together. They were awesome together. Like there's scenes. There's like it was. There's another. She and him were hilarious. Super funny together. <laughs> the entire scene where he's just like trying to show her picture. He's like, and she's just like, oh, like it's like this is my kid, beautiful. This is my wife, gorgeous. That's my dick cool like she yeah she played those very well that guy's hilarious is he dead don't tell me he's okay, dead let's look is him he up jail? i don't remember if he's dead um wait Adrian Martinez. Jail? what the hell oh i don't know like she, lily said that there was something bad going on with him okay 
So with that role, so the character's name was, what was his stupid fucking name? Like Forehead or something. Yeah, it was like not a good his name. His name was Forehead. Forehead. <laughs> Forehead. F-A-R-H-A-D. So that role was originally offered to Artie Lang. Oh, my boy. I love Artie Lang. He And he was pre-busted up now. It was. <laughs> Dude, I was just listening to Artie Lang before we got into the <laughs> podcast because I listened to way too much Howard Stern. And, do. They were, and they were giving him shit because he had kicked heroin for the billionth time. Always. Always, always kicking heroin. And <laughs> Dr. Drew trying. Dr. Drew had said something like, if you don't come on to celebrity rehab, you're going to fail. But they were making fun of him. And he's just like, I'm not going on to celebrity. <laughs> Honestly, that's like the most sane thing he could have said. Like, I'm not doing that. Remember when Artie Lang for real legit was just a garbage man for a while? Yeah, he, he worked the bunch- dots. Yeah, he was just like, he was just doing normal jobs because he needed to. All right, so it's he was so good on oh, crashing. Also. Oh, so good on crashing. Which wait, are you talking about he was a garbage man recently? Mm, maybe like eight years ago. For real? Are you yeah. sure? Like TMZ went up to him and interviewed yeah. him. He's on the back of a garbage he truck has, picking like, a fucking really garbage. large drug problem. So, like, do you think he's retaining any yeah. of the money? How much work is already leg getting in, in <laughs> movies? <laughs> I gotta look this up. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> he like literally was going through just like the worst drug shit His while nose. on crashing. Okay. <laughs> it was written into the show. Okay, oh well, whatever. God. Artie yeah, okay. Lang was offered this role and was pissed. I guess he went on the tirade about the script and how they just wanted him to like play some like fucking fat guy in a movie. Like he was so unhappy that he was offered this role. They offered another comedian this role, also pissed off because they're like, you just want me to gain a bunch of weight. Like, I'm not going to gain a bunch of weight to the, be in this movie. Apparently, they couldn't just like hire a person who was funny. They like really wanted them to be overweight, <laughs> which feels kind of rude, to be honest with you, because nothing about this role needed him at a certain weight i guess maybe to play the football player yeah i think most football players are in great shape and not like i don't know big fat <laughs> i don't know but i just found it so funny because honestly after i read that Artie lang got offered it fuck yeah i could see Artie lang well, this in guy was role. great whoever this guy yeah this he guy was fucking fantastic and his weight never really came up at all i really so wonder if it was just that football scene Right. We need like a bigger guy for that football scene. Adrian no. Martinez. He was hilarious in this. Yeah, I agree 100%. I'm just wondering. It's like, yeah, made for the football scene. But what the fuck's Artie Lang talking about? Because they don't ever bring up his weight through the movie. He's just like a funny side character. The whole it time. must have been in the notes. Maybe it's yeah, because the second movie. comedian who got offered it also was just like, I'm not going to gain a bunch of weight for this movie. So it must have been like in the notes for it. You know what yeah, I mean? He was great because he was on his own narrative path. There was never the scene where he like sits down with them and gets emotional. It's like every time he showed up, he was just like cool as a cucumber. Didn't really acknowledge that anyone else was like literally in the car with him. And he would just oh, kind of that was so like, funny. Yeah, he just kind of like do his own thing. So yeah, kudos. I to honestly, him. I kind of wanted more of him in the movie. Right, yeah. Yeah, like wait. I think it would have been better if they got rid of more of the con artist people and just had more of him. And Will Smith and her, because like 
they all had like a really good rapport together. Like, I think I would watch a focus two unfocused with the three of them. And with Ooh. him, mostly him and Margot Robbie, when he told her that she he thought she was a lesbian because he smelled vagina on her breath. Yeah. Every every <laughs> time, every other time you talk, I smell vagina. <laughs> like, here's the thing. I don't think that was scripted. Yeah, it all seems like he was just riffing for yeah. like yeah. just let this guy riff for five minutes. Okay, back to the movie. And she was hilarious with him because there were just times where just like I think she I think Margot Robbie is laughing right now and not yes. the character. Which this is at a time this movie's coming out 2015. So we're like 10 years into the Judd Apatow stint, right? Judd Apatow kind of like 2004, 2005. And he's notorious for those improv scenes, but whereas his, the Adam McKay, or not Adam McKay, Judd Apatow feels like improv top to bottom. This felt very controlled, like scenes. And then these small nuggets of like, oh, that 30 seconds right there, they were just riffing, which is cool to like allow that. And I'll give the movie credit. The strongest part of this movie is the acting through and through Will Smith to Margot Robbie to everyone else, even to the bad guys at the end, the father figure, like everyone just came to play. They did exactly what they're supposed to do. And I would say Will Smith is like making it look way too easy for how good he's in this, because just like he's lying to Margot Robbie, the whole movie, you see conflict on him and you can't mm-hmm. tell if that's a con or not when he's like, doesn't want to get drunk at first and then decides to get drunk. And you mm-hmm. see all the remorse, the, uh, the, I don't know, pathos in his face. You're just like, fuck, Will Smith is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And it makes you go like, should I be sympathetic to him? Or is he just fucking around? Is this an act? Is he pretending? You don't even know at the end of it's all like, you still don't know if he's just going to be like a weird con artist, which is Very good. Nuanced. Yeah. He's really gotten just incredible. This fucking Fresh Prince has really just gotten incredible about saying so much with zero dialogue. So so here's the thing, though. Do people not want to see Will Smith do this shit? Because this didn't do well. I know like a lot, you know, like Ali didn't do well. King Richard didn't do well. But those aren't like meant to do well. You know, those are meant as just Oscar bait type of shit. Do people not want to see him like this? Because like this was not a, you know, maybe it's not built that way, but it's not a $300 million, $400 million movie at the end of the day. But the budget's a little smaller because I think the budget was $50 million, mm-hmm. And then it made like worldwide $150 million. Yeah, around there. So it's not a total loss. I feel like they profited off this film. And it's definitely this film reeks of like on an airplane. This is an airplane movie. This yeah, is you know, but I mean, I mean, does we just say 2015? Not a great movie year. Generally speaking, like you had some good Force ones. Like you had The Revenant. You had um, Force Awakens. Spotlight, Force Awakens. <laughs> but you have just a lot of like Everest curved. San Andreas, The Martian. Like, I'm sorry, that movie sucked. What an Oscar. It sucked. For comedy. Um, Tomorrowland, Sisters. I don't know. Like, I think as years go, 2015 was just a weird well, I, movie year. I would just say, do people not care to see Will Smith in this? Oh, way? Concussion comes out that same year. Well, I don't know if this is a Will Smith problem. This is the mid-sized budget movie problem. So mm. we have to get into this is another R-rated Will Smith film. And that's where he fucking excels when he makes movies for adults and not movies for fucking children. We don't need uh, I Am Legends. We need more of these. And these movies are like classic, like 
the demographic is probably 32 to like 78. You know what I mean? Like this kind of movie does not appeal to the teenage market. So that's why you're not getting a boost there. But this is the death of mid-sized budgets because a movie like this could make 150 million on a 50 million budget. And it was a success. They were just like, okay, keep making these mid-side budgets. But now because we're so fucking skewed in the head and everything needs to make $2 billion to be even considered a success. Mm. I think studios start looking at these adult affair movies, these things like Jerry Maguire's and all that, that were targeted at an older fugitive. Fugitive, not for Gun Gary Gun Ross. These movies that were targeted <laughs> at us, adults, people in their 30s and over, and they stopped making them because it doesn't look cool on the fucking front page of Variety to be like, oh, it only made 150 million, but mm. Black Panther made two billion or whatever. Like that looks cool. And yeah, so it was like the year of like that. Deathly Hallows. It was the year of, you know, Star Wars. You've got the Avengers, just like juggernaut films well there was a really good um it's it what's the the hot ones with yeah matt, with matt damon it's like a clip that went viral i don't know if you guys saw where matt, da- matt damon was saying oh, yeah. these mid-budget movies why you can't make them he's like so you make a 50 million dollar movie you have to then pump in 50 million dollars of advertising advertising so this quaint movie about a man and his horse set in you know 1850s pennsylvania mm-hmm. is it really going to make a hundred million dollars in the box office because back in the day if it didn't make a hundred million dollars let's say it made 40 million dollars at the box office and you pumped in a hundred million then you got a second chance with dvds mm-hmm. coming out and that's gone so that's kind of what's killing the mid-budget movie and even the fucking streaming services okay. don't want to fuck with these movies anymore because how many subscribers are you getting for man and a horse in pennsylvania movie and they can make their own original content well they want to make cheaper. their own original content but they also want to do big budget shit too to get people to subscribe type of thing mm. yeah which i I love these kind of movies. These are like, and not to be gender specific, but these are like classic, like dad, dad and mom movies. That's like all it is where it's just like a light affair. It's not going to have the seediness of like a Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. film or whatever. You're not going to really dwell on it much. You're just going to kind of bask in like, oh, these are adults doing adult things. It's very mm-hmm. sexual too. That's the other thing. There's a lot of like sex and romance. It, in it. might be Will Smith most sexual movie i think is the most we've seen him kiss or pretend to fuck somebody in a movie which give me more a lot he's a shirtless man throughout and he is fucking ripped holy cannoli this man's almost 50 in this movie and he is just his body is outrageous in this movie well he looked he looked right. Hey, look, respectfully, he looked like a snack. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's 100% correct. He should make more movies like this, to be honest with you. And he does when, it. <laughs> yeah, when he swears, that's like another fun thing because it just reminded me of like the Bad Boys movies where I'm like, oh, this is rated R. He can drop F-bombs. It's he his first like- rated R since Bad Boys 2. Which is wild, man. Like, give me more R-rated fucking Will Smith. This is where he's better. He's better in adult films. Give him a tour. Because you know what it is? It's he's almost 50 in this movie. Yes. Be a fucking adult, Will Smith. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, like when you have someone that age making like a PG 13 movie, just some of the reactions can't feel honest. Yeah. Because you're doing it 
to such like a juvenile level. And it's just like Will Smith can give such good, honest reactions. So like, let him be an adult in his movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I liked this movie. Like, I don't know why I knew nothing about it. And I feel like it's to a detriment. I'm not saying this is like the world's greatest movie, but like one, I would probably watch it again Two, I would be more than happy to watch this on TV, to watch this on streaming. It should, it should at least be on a fucking streaming service. The fact that this is not on a streaming service, yeah. is a goddamn crime. It's got to be cheap as shit. Netflix. <laughs> yeah, just buy it. Yeah. I know, it's two colossal stars. And honestly, it's not that bad of a story. Sure. The third act is a little clunky, but I've watched way more garbagey things than this, to be honest with you. It feels like a no brainer that it should be on a streaming service. Just like it's Margot Robbie and Will Smith in a movie that's an hour 44. Like, fuck, yeah, I can swallow that down. I really think it's because no one knew what I feel like people just knew that they made a movie together had no idea it was it was about so like i don't know if they just didn't put like a lot of money into advertising it or what went on or if it's just a detriment because then they were in a movie together a year later so people are like oh i must just be thinking about suicide squad yeah the other thing too is i was like just kind of like grazing past like the reviews for this and not to say it did terribly but i think people in retrospect seemed way harsher on this than like it's like, come on, this isn't like the fucking fodder we get. Here's the thing. The movie conned me the entire time because every time I started getting annoyed where I'm like, oh, my God, this movie's so stupid. They're going to do this. And this is happening. This shot doesn't make sense. Why are they filming it this way? Yada, yada. I was like being such a fucking prick. And then it would con me because it would be like, oh, they didn't do the obvious. Oh, they're actual characters and stuff. Oh, this is actually fun again. They do this one shot. And this is what, again, going back to the out of focus thing. Do you remember Margot Robbie goes to the store to spend like her new boyfriend's money or whatever? And it's a shot moving through the department store and it passes a mirror and you see like the teller in the mirror walking. But then as we pass the mirror, it becomes Margot Robbie on the other side walking at the same pace. And it's like, whoa, that was kind of cool. Where it's just like, you see a woman in a mirror walking and then it seamlessly looks like it becomes Margot Robbie. And then they're both walking next to each other. I don't know if you recall this shot, yeah. but I saw it and I was just like, well, that's a cool shot. But I'm like, the problem with that shot is like, that's all it is. It's cool. It has no thematics because we're not to assume that they're trying to say, oh, the teller is just like Margot Robbie. They're not trying to make any distinction. They were just like, oh, isn't it cool how like when she crosses the mirror, she pops out the other side. It'd be different if you find out the teller is like, oh, this person is way deeper and they have this going on, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, they're mirror images of each other. But they didn't do that. So I was annoyed with the movie. But at the end of the film, when they do the whole recap where Will Smith's like, uh, or no, Margot Robbie's like, oh, I was just trying to steal a watch. I was conning you guys or whatever. It repeats that shot. Mm-hmm. She goes to the department store. She goes over here. She goes over there. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, it was just a cool shot, but it burned in my brain because when they do the recap later, I remembered it instantly. So again, Steven's on showing you when you saw it the first time, you thought she was just a girlfriend going on a shopping spree. Yeah. Why don't you look a little bit closer at that? She was just a chick who stole someone's credit card. Which again is so funny that 
they subvert at the end. I thought Margot Robbie would be like, I was in uh, the whole time and your team's working for me and blah, blah, blah. But it was literally, she was just like, oh, I was just trying to get his watch. And then I even like the bad guy. He wasn't even into killing. He's like, why the fuck did you shoot him? Like, yeah. what? He's just like, let's get out of here. Like, he wasn't even as big of a threat. I'm like, that's a good subversion. They shot just some like crazy evil prick. Well- and then they oh, gave her her little wink at the end because the whole thing, she was like, I was just trying to fucking steal this guy's watch. And it was hilarious when they then showed like all the times that she wouldn't have sex with him. Yes. But really then at the end, and like Will Smith was just like, oh my God, you're too good to just be stealing watches. And she's like, I just fucking like it. Like, that's what I like yeah. doing. And then the end, the last thing they show you is her wrist. Through it all, she still managed to steal that guy's watch. But Will Smith doesn't get his. But Will Smith doesn't get his money. So it's like, Man. you know what I mean? She's still she's still coming out on top. That is a good point. Although, did you catch the line where Will Smith's father says, you can take a hell of a punch because he had to rough her up earlier in the movie? Yeah. And I'm like, fuck. What? <laughs> Why do we have to make this eat dark? The shit out of her? What the fuck happened? All right. Uh, okay, also, this is just like a minor thing, but I like was trying to do the math. So... When at the very beginning of the movie, he's got like a whole team for when they're stealing in uh New Orleans. Yeah, and on the bourbon. He's got like a whole this gang of people. They're doing all the stuff, they're stealing, they're selling their shit. They make like 1.2 million. I did the math because he's like, we got 30 people. Everyone made like thirty-three thousand dollars. Like I know $33,000 a lot. Like if someone wants to give me that money, I will. I won't suck your dick, but I'll think about it. Like, thank you. That's a great gift. 33,000. But for the amount of jail time they would be facing. 33,000 is not like setting me up for life. The Ocean's Eleven movie. You're like, okay, I get why you're going on these big heists. Like you're set for life. What they're doing. She's like, you're going to have to keep doing this. Like, pretty regular hey, they're they're blue collar pickpockets it just doesn't seem worth it the crime don't seem worth the time you know what i mean if they were all walking away with even like a hundred thousand i'd be like okay you could take like a year off but 33 i don't know all right so what do, coming up next what concussion okay concussion which has its own controversy to it does it? Because I this is obviously it's supposed to be um it's supposed to take down the NFL a notch. Yeah. Too. But I heard that the NFL had to some or somebody from the NFL had to okay the script. Mm. But it's supposed to be calling out the NFL. Why? Because they like would have sued. I think the NFL's a very powerful entertainment thing like you know they have a bunch of deals with people i i assume that they you know they're pretty oh yeah because movies are often advertised during super Mm -hmm. bowls or big games like we have the new networks that they're on you know yeah whoever put out yeah say it's paramount that puts out you uh concoction so that's well, I do remember Super Bowl could be like, hey, we're not gonna play your Star Trek fucking trailers no more. So I mean the NFL is so powerful that they like literally were tax exempt just a handful of well, like a that. church, you know. All right. Um <laughs> so we got good movie coming up. Yeah, good, good movie. movie. Would recommend great yeah. sexy, fun. Yeah. And now I'm a Margot Robbie fan. Nice. Yeah. Dude, she re- like her and Will Smith. 
they're they're okay. This movie originally was pitched for Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. I like Emma Stone. Yeah, Ryan Gosling is fine. You know what? It feels like that to me, where it's like I could see Will Smith and Margot Robbie making a fuck ton of movies together because they have good chemistry, just like Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Nice. I think that's a great idea. Which you bring up Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, this director combo. It's two two directors, two writers uh, who worked on this. They did Crazy Stupid Love before yes. this film. And I think and Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone's in that. They are, and he is so violently handsome and sexy in that movie. Just like, ooh, I got the chills, baby. <laughs> I know we have to wrap up. But Jake Ryan Gosling, Toby Maguire. I no. they're all the same person to me. No, no. Ryan Gosling, fake Brooklyn accent, or is that real? He's Canadian, so fake. It's cool though. I like it. He's so fucking hot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up. We're gonna do a whole Glenn Gary fucking podcast. Yes. <laughs> What I do deserve. All right. Subscribe (laughs) at patreon.com slash gentlemen's club. Bye.